I mentioned just a few moments ago, Pastor Tim preached last week on, on, on uh, patience and, and inheriting the promises. And how many of you know that patience is important? How many of you don't really like patience? <laughs> I don't mind patience as long as it, you know, hurries up kind of a thing. And, and, and I like it when other people have to be patient but with me, but I don't like having to be patient with other people. And yet, patience is really, really important. And the Bible tells us that it's, it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 6. And it requires both of those those characteristics from us if we are going to inherit the promise of God, if we are going to fulfill the plan of God, if the hope of God that is in our heart is going to be lived out, then it's going to take faith and it's going to take patience. And those are those we, we like to teach a lot more about faith. We like to preach about faith that moves a mountain and all of the other things that happen, but we really don't like to hear messages on patience. And um, and I'm doing kind of a little mini-series, I guess, in a sense. This is the second week for me of a, of a sermon, a message that I started two weeks ago, which we're just calling A New Song for a New Day. A New Song for a New Day. I did part one uh, two weeks ago, gone last week. Pastor Tim preached on patience, and I sort of feel like this is an Oreo cookie because the first week is kind of that chocolate crunchy. How do every, every, every illustration for me seems to be about food. I don't know why that is, but, you know, taste and see the Lord is good, and taste and hear Pastor Brian preaching about food. But anyway, it seems to be a very common illustration for me, and, and, and I feel sort of like it is a, it, it, a little bit of an Oreo. Last week was the chocolate cookie part. Pastor Tim had the nice creamy kind of stuff that makes the other piece stick together. And I have to ask a quick question. How many of you are like a, you just eat the whole Oreo cookie? How many of you are twisters that you twist it? All right. How many of you are that? I think we have more twisters than we do just munchers. That's awesome. All right. How many of you eat the cream out of it first? A couple of you do. Now what I do is I take the, I twist it, pull that, put that away, and then I grab another Oreo, twist that one, and I put them together, and I make my own double stuff, you know, kind of a thing. And then I give the grandkids the other cookies, you know. But anyway, <laughs> no, I don't do that. I don't do that. They don't last that long. But anyway, uh, so we're doing a series, a new song for a new day, and I want to jump into uh, I, uh, Psalms chapter 40. There's a reason that I believe anyway, there's a reason that this has really gone off in my heart. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, it says, I waited and waited and waited some more. How many of you have ever felt like you've waited and you've waited and you've waited some more? Is there anybody that is waiting right now for something? Waiting for God to do something? You're waiting for an answer to prayer? You're waiting for a circumstance to change? The last two years, how many of you know we've been sort of in a, a holding pattern? We've been waiting, we've been waiting, and we've been waiting. But notice what he says. I waited and I waited and I waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. How many of you know there's a difference between waiting patiently and waiting patiently knowing God? I hope you know that this morning. I hope you understand that this morning, that there's a difference between just waiting on things to change, waiting on something to happen, waiting for something good to happen in our life, and waiting knowing God. That makes all the difference in our waiting or in our time that we have to be patient or we have to endure so that the promises of God can come to pass. He goes on and he says this, and then at last he bent down and he listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of the danger from the desolate pit that I was in, out of the muddy mess that I had fallen into. I mean, you know, it's a lot easier to have faith and patience when you're not in a pit or a muddy mess. And so it is one thing to have patience and faith when everything's still kind of going good. It's another thing when faith and patience is required when you are in a mess. 
I'm sure that none of you have ever been in a mess, but I've been in one or two myself. And it is far easier to trust God and to believe that God is good when things are going good in my life. In fact, many times our theology is such that we think that if things are going good in our life, then God is good. But the moment that things go bad in our life, we're like, God, where are you? God, why did you let me down? How come you're not doing things for me? God is still good even when nothing feels good. You can still have hope in your heart even when there's, there's no hope. You can still have hope in God. And so he says, as he goes on, but now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place, and he has steadied me, steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. Mentioned it earlier, and it is so strong in me, and I, I don't apologize for being passionate this morning, but, but I just need you to know that I'm about ready to explode this morning. Because I've been waiting, and I've been waiting, and I've been waiting patiently, and I've known God. And I know that God is about to do some things in us, in this church, in this community, and in this world. It looks like things are tough. It looks like things are bad. It looks like the proverbial world is going to hell in a handbasket. But guess what? The body of Christ is the body of Christ. And there is a strength and there is a life and there is a power that's on the inside of us. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's a church that you and I are a part of. And it's easy to worship and praise God and be all excited when everything is going good. But the mark of the believer is can we still do that when things aren't so good? So he goes on in verse 3. A new song for a new day. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think. Everybody say think. I got to have my mind on something. A new song rises up in me every time that I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Now, I don't know what ecstatic praise is to you. I know that there are degrees of ecstatic praise for people. Ecstatic praise for me is not standing still. It is not being silent. Ecstatic praise for me is jumping and screaming and shouting and woohoo! That's ecstatic praise. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. I don't know what your level of ecstatic praise is. I'm just asking you to take a step from where you were to where you're going, from where you used to be, because this is a new song for a new day, a new song for a new day. A new day requires a new song. And so he says again, a new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears. I'm just going to be quiet and worship God. No, there's, there, there needs to be some hearing in our praise. It needs to be loud enough that other people hear around us. And, and here's how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. God's a miracle God. And praise will begin to bring the power of God on the scene. They'll stand in awe of God and they will fall in love with him. Now, maybe part of the reason that this verse, it was July 11th, that this verse, I shared it on a Sunday morning, as just part of the time of worship and some things progressed and things began to happen. And this went off on the inside of me. And I've been talking about meditating on this whole thing, a new song for a new day, a new song for a new day. And perhaps part of the reason is because for the last two years, I have felt like I am on a treadmill. I have felt like I'm just sort of, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm, I'm going through motions and I'm doing stuff and I'm busy and I'm tired and things are going on, but it just seems like I'm just on a treadmill. It just seems like I'm going forward, but I'm not going forward. I'm still in the same place. In fact, sometimes if you stop and rest, all of a sudden you just start going backwards. 
Now, I don't know if any, in fact, I think probably all of you have felt somewhat like that, that we're sort of going through the motions, we're not advancing, and, and part of that is because of the pandemic and all of the confusion that has happened and all of the things that have gone on, and I personally, and I hope you are, but I'm personally resisting the urge to return to normal. I am not waiting for things to go back to normal. I do not want normal. I don't want to be like Israel who wanted to go back to normal. Normal for them was Egypt. Normal for them was, was making bricks. Normal for them was being a servant and a slave. That was normal. And I don't want to go backwards because I think that God wants to do something new. Anyone? Do you think God wants to do something new in your life? Do you think that God wants to maybe turn the page and bring something new for you? I hope so. I hope so. Because I don't want to go back to normal. I said, it, I said this to you two weeks ago. Just because we, you don't currently see it does not mean that you can't have it. And I think that sometimes we've been stuck because it just seems like it's not happening quick enough. It's not happening in our time frame. But just because it's not, that's why patience is so important. Patience is required to bring the promise of God to us. And patience is required, as I said to you last week, there might be times that you're going to have to sing a new song before you see a new day. Faith is being able to sing a new song while you're still in the old day. Faith is being able to sing a new song. And I'm not talking about learning a new Christian song. I'm not talking about learning, you know, whatever song is the holy hot one. I'm talking about a, a, a song because a, a song that just rises up out of our heart, a song that rises up about the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the promise of God, a song that rises up while the darkness seems to be coming against us. A new song for a day should rise up on the inside of us. In the book of Isaiah chapter 43, it says, God says, behold, I do a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Problem with a new thing is that it doesn't look like the old thing, and the old thing is familiar to us. The old thing is comfortable to us. The old thing is comfortable. And while many of us are singing songs like, I'm so busy, I just can't get over it, I'm so busy, yeah. I don't know where to go, I'm on the run, I'm busy, I'm so busy, but I'm bored at the same time, and I'm tired of running around. I'm so busy, I wish the Democrats were not in charge. I'm so busy, I wish the Republicans were not in charge. I'm so busy that Jesus, you just come home for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so busy. <laughs> That's the song that we've been singing. That's the song that we've, we're singing according to what we see. We're singing according to what we feel. We're singing according to what we experience. But God says, I'm creating, I'm bringing you a new day. Can you not see it? And that's the problem. We can't see the new day. When you, and here's the problem with a new day. You think that the new day is when the dawn, you know, the, the sun comes up, the birds are singing, and, and it's beautiful and all those other things. That's not the new day. The new day starts just after midnight. The new day starts when it's dark. The new day starts when it's quiet. The new day starts when nothing is happening. In the Jewish calendar, many of the Jewish holidays started at night. There are times that the Jewish day actually started in the evening. And when the day starts, it's when there's the least amount of light. When the day starts, it's when it's full of darkness. When the day starts, when the day starts. And so God says, I want you to sing a new song in a new day. We're waiting for the light. We're waiting for the direction. We're waiting to be able to see. I've, I've made the statement that vision is like the headlights on a car. Your headlights on your car will only reveal a certain amount. And, and if you refuse to move forward because you can't see the, the, the destination, you can't see the end result, and you sit in your car and say, I'm not going to go until I can actually see my garage. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not going to go until I can see my destination. You're going to be sitting there for a long time. But we have learned that when, as we move forward, that light continually illuminates the path that is in front of us. But the moment it stops, that illuminating power of the headlight, it stops. And it's the same way in the Christian life. We have to, the Christian life is fulfilled in a lot of little steps. Not giant leaps all the time, not, not just giant, just things. It is daily faithfulness in little things. Daily faithfulness in little things. So God says, I'm doing a new thing. It's a new day. And I want you to start singing a new song as it relates to the new day. And so I was thinking about something and <clears throat> something that is kind of in Psalm 40 that's gone through my heart is this ascending path. That God wants us to continue to move on a descending path that, that that new song for a new day propels us, it energizes us towards a new or ascending step, if you will. That God always wants us to move higher. God always wants us to draw closer. He said, if you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. And he said, I will show you things that you don't know of. And it is that relationship that he desires more than anything else. It is that relationship with you and with me that he desires more than anything else. And so in Acts chapter 16, I want to tell a, a familiar story, but come to a little bit of a different conclusion. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 22, we're, we're given this particular story, and really it starts at the beginning of, of Acts 16, but it's, it's, it's uh, about Paul. Paul had been commissioned by the church at Antioch to begin to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That's where he was called to go, and he had been given, you know, really license. He'd been given freedom to be able to go wherever he wanted to go to preach the gospel. There were several things that happened as it related to Paul wanting to, to, to go to the Gentiles because it, up until just a few years before this, the early church thought that only Jewish people could be saved. They didn't realize that the gospel was to go. They didn't realize that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not just for the Jewish nation, but that it was for the entire world. It was for whosoever will. And this was a great, this is a big revelation. This was really surprising to a lot of people. And there were still, believe it or not, there were still some religious people who were like, well, okay, maybe that Jesus stuff works, you know, and, and maybe you can, but you still got to be Jewish. You still got to get circumcised. You still got to follow the law. You still got to do all these other things. And then if you do those things, then you can be a Christian. It's kind of like what we do today. You got to quit this. You got to stop that. You got to start that. You got to do all these other things. And then maybe you can be a Christian. No, being a Christian starts first. Let me try it over here on this side. Being a Christian starts first. Then you start to change. Then you start to quit. Then you start to stop. Start to stop. Or you stop to start. I don't know which one. But anyway, you get the idea. You get the, the message. And so he says this in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 22, a mob, a mob. Here's Paul. He's preaching the word of God. He's doing exactly what God called him to do, and here comes the mob. A mob was quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the judges ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden whips. Praise God. I just want to be a Christian. I just, everybody loves me. Verse 23. Again and again, the rods slashed down across their bared backs, and afterwards they were thrown into prison. Wait, what? What? I thought, that if, I thought that if I was serving Jesus and doing everything right, then I wouldn't have these problems. I thought that it would just be different. I thought it would be better. <laughs> the proof and the power of the presence of God is not the absence of problems. It's how we serve God in the midst of those problems. That's the proof of the presence and the power of God. It isn't what we're going through. It's who we are going through it with. Thank you. <laughs> I'm about to. I'm about to. Praise God. All right. 
Where am I at? Yeah, that, you just threw me off right there. Thank you so much. <laughs> the, jailer, the jailer was threatened with death if they escaped. I, I'm thinking the jailer's like, yeah, it's a couple of missionaries, a couple of preacher boys. Eh, no problem at all. But just in case, he took no chances. He put them in the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet into stocks. Now, just because you know God and just because God is for you does not mean that things won't happen. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to exercise faith and patience. You're still going to have to do those things no matter what is going on in your life. If you're looking for the day that you're never going to be under attack, if you're looking for the day that you're never going to have a problem, you are looking for heaven. Because when you get to heaven and only when, to get, when you get to heaven, that is when your last battle will have been fought. So in this life, Jesus warned us, in this life, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be tribulation, but... <laughs> Be of good cheer. He's the one who's overcome, and because he's overcome, we overcome with him. We get through that with him. We get through those things because of him. And so, verse 25, around midnight, everybody say midnight. It's the dawn of a new day. Around midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the Lord, and other prisoners were listening, listening suddenly. Now, (laughs) suddenly. I don't know if it felt like suddenly for these guys. I don't know that it felt like, whoo, but, but that encourages me because no matter what I'm going through, there can still be a suddenly, even though it doesn't feel like suddenly is ever going to come. We have to remember that, that even though it feels like we've been going through this over and over and over and over, that there is still a God of the suddenly that can turn things that quickly. And, and I would love to take some time to go through times in my life where, where God has done just that. Amazing to me. Things that I thought, God, why in the world? I could tell you about this property that we were on years ago. I'm like, God, why is it that other places, other, other people, and all, if, if you'd have told me that after four years we would have still been meeting at North Junior High, I'd have smacked you upside the head because there's no way in the world I was believing that. If you had told me after four years that we would have moved into a facility like we were in on the other side where the kids are now, if you'd have told me that we were going to move into there, I would have fallen on my face and laughed at you because there's no way that I thought that could ever happen. God's plan is always better than our plans. God's detour many times is a path to the destination that he wants us to get to. So, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly was, was preceded by a lot of pain, a lot of waiting, a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointments. Again, Paul had, had, the, Paul had the, 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 really all of the authority that he needed, all of the provision and people that he needed to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and he finds himself in prison. He finds himself getting beaten. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This is a great preaching moment that we love to hear about. Woohoo! Praise God. We just worship God and we get free and the chains fall off and our bondages are gone. Yahoo! <laughs> but I need you to know that suddenly was preceded by a lot of waiting. Suddenly was preceded by them doing some specific things. And it was at midnight that they began to sing a new song, that they began to sing according to the word of God. There's a section of the book of Psalms that, that they say that, the scholars say that this could have been what they were singing. They were singing psalms in the night to God, out loud as they were, what do you suppose they were praying? Now, I don't know what you'd be praying, but if I'm in prison, I just got, my, got the snot beat out of me and I'm locked up and everything else, you know what I'd be praying for? 
Jesus, get me out of here. Anyone? Like, help me, help. <laughs> Most common prayer in the New Testament, help. <laughs> Jesus, get me out of here. Help me out. That's what we would have been praying. And I think that's what we expect. Perhaps they were praying. We don't really know. But this is the moment that changes everything. And, and, and what happens after, after all of these things happened? There was, there was a lot of waiting in that, you know, not only were they in prison, but they were in prison at midnight. Midnight represents that time of confusion, that time where there's not clarity, that time that there's not a lot of light. There's not a lot of understanding. And maybe you've been facing that over the last year or couple of years. Midnight might not look like this to you, but midnight might look like, well, what about my kids? We used to be so close, but now they're pulling away from me. They've got friends that I don't really approve of, and I'm kind of concerned, and, and all of the things that are going on, that might feel like midnight to you. Maybe, maybe there's some of you that, that you're surrounded by people, but you're still lonely, and it might feel like midnight to you that, that it's like, when are things going to change? When, when am I going to get comfortable? When, when are these things going to be free in my life? Or maybe you've gotten a report from the doctor and, and it feels like midnight because it's not a good report. And maybe those things are going on and you need to understand that, that it is that new song. We don't sing according to the old song. We sing according to the new song that he puts into our heart and into our life. Uh, this suddenly was... was pers- pr- it suddenly was preceded by a lot of praying and a lot of singing in the night. And they didn't feel like it and they didn't want to sing. I don't know what it is about the nighttime. <laughs> it's a great story I have to tell you sometime. I'll just give you a quick little. So it was just after, I don't know exactly what time it was, Shelly and I sound asleep. Steph, Pastor Steph was at the time living at our house. This was a few years, several years ago. And all three of us heard this loud bang. All of us, we all woke up. I woke up just a little bit. Steph, Pastor Steph, was convinced. She was in the basement. She was convinced that somebody snuck into her house and shot both of us. Because she heard this loud bang. So she gets up and she's very quietly. She sneaks up to our bedroom. <laughs> she's looking in. She's just looking for any sign of life. Are they breathing? Now, that's all happening for Steph. Shelly is laying in bed. She heard the same thing. She's wide awake, and she's like just closing her eyes. I feel like somebody's staring at me. I feel like somebody's staring. There's somebody now. They're staring at me. They're staring at me. They're staring at me. I'm in bed, and I'm thinking, I have a gun right over here. Maybe I should get the gun. I could have shot and killed her daughter. <laughs> and so the next morning, we're wide awake, and we're saying, man, we're the weirdest thing. She tells like, the weirdest thing happened. I felt like somebody's staring at me. She goes, Steph's like, What? <laughs> I was staring at you, and it was just a crazy thing. Now, things that we hear at night are different than things that we hear during the daytime, right? I mean, during the daytime when there's light and people around, those things don't bother us when it's quiet and when it's silent and when it's not dark or when it's dark and we can't fully see everything. It's funny how our mind begins to work how we began to think. And sometimes the noise of the day, we can drown out the voice that is in our head reminding us of the failure, reminding us of the past, reminding us of the pain, reminding us of all of those things. But it's when it's at midnight that those thoughts begin to creep into our thinking. The whatabouts, the fears, all of those things. A couple of weeks ago, I shared this scripture with you and I feel that it bears repeating. <clears throat> I will never forget this awful time. Lamentations chapter 3. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. 
There's a great verse right after this, but we miss this verse. Let me just say it like this. If you don't learn to sing a song, if you don't learn to sing a new song in the light of day, you will never sing a new song in the darkness. You'll never sing a new song at midnight. You've got to learn. If, if it's difficult for you to sing here in church when everything is perfect, it'll be very, very difficult for you to sing a new song when, when midnight hits your life. You've got to learn to do this in the light. You need to learn to do this when it's right. You need to learn to do this when, when it seems like things are, are, are easier for you. Here the writer says, I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He said, I cannot forget the pain. I cannot forget the bitterness. I cannot forgive the, forget the problems. I cannot forget these things. And that's where a lot of us live. That's what midnight looks like. It, it, it's the things we can't forget. It is the past that we can't let go of. It is the hurt that we refuse to let go of. It is the forgiveness that we refuse to extend to other people. He goes on. Yet I still dare to hope. Why? When I remember, when I remember, when I remember, when I remember this, it is the faithful love of the Lord that never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each and every morning. In our darkness, there's a new, <laughs> there's a new fresh faithfulness of God. There's a new grace of God. There's a new mercy of God that is extended to us in our darkness. I don't always have to see the goodness of God to believe that God is good. I don't always have to feel hopeful to know that God is still the one who gives me hope. I don't have to feel those things. I don't have to, that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And I've got to learn to sing a song. I need to learn to sing a song when it is night. Psalm 103, this is the passion. You've heard, you know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, verse 1. With my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of the kindness that you've done for me. Some of you need to give birth to a forgetting. You need to forget the failure. You need to forget the pain. And the only way you're ever going to be able to forget the pain is when you begin to remember the goodness of God. When you begin to fill your mind with the things that God has done for you. It says in verse 3, you have kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. Quit wondering whether or not God forgives you. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. Let it go. Let it go, let it go. Some of us need to rejoice simply and sing a new song that that past is gone, it is dead, and it has been buried. Verse goes on to say, you've healed me inside and out from every disease, every disease. God, God his benefits is a healing God. He is a God that moves. He is a God that brings life and strength into our life. Verse 4, you've rescued me from hell. Anybody glad about that? rescued me from hell and you've saved my life. You've crowned me with love and with mercy and you satisfy my every desire with good things. You have supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Rise up like an eagle in the... What is that song? Spirit carry me. I can't remember what that is. What is that song? Some of you old people should know that. Spirit in the sky. Josh, can you sing Spirit in the sky? <laughs> Pardon? Okay. 
Facts that we did not need to know anything about, apparently. Norman Greenbaum, huh? All right, anyway. So here's the thing. Now, we like to preach this. Sorry for that little... I'm trying to bring this home here in three minutes. We like to preach that. We like to... We like the idea that God's going to set us free, that God is going to do some things for us, that <clears throat> he's going to deliver us from our financial problems, he's going to deliver us from, from sickness, he's going to deliver us from all those things. Yes, God is Jehovah Jireh, he's the God of more than enough, he is the God that moves mountains, he is the God that does all kinds of other things, but remember that Psalm 40 says that we are walking or to walk an ascending path. God doesn't just bring freedom into our life so that we can go, woohoo, I'm free, and we can sit back, and, and everything around us changes, but, but we don't change. God wants to bring change into our life, and, and, and maybe what God is waiting for in your financial situation is not, the, not the, the breakthrough miracle, but God wants to be invited to your budget. Maybe God wants to be invited to your time so that you spend some time with him, and often we want things around us to change so that we don't have to change. So that we can stay the same. And God didn't send his son so that you could stay the same. God wants you to be like him. The goal of the Christian life is to, the goal of a follower of, of, of Christ is to be like Jesus. That's a tall order. <laughs> so it takes and requires his help. So there's this ascending path that God wants us to continue to walk on. And so I find it interesting that a lot of times when we're preaching, we, we sort of stop right there that, woohoo, we're free. Glory to God. That our worship and praise to God and the power and the presence of God is going to break you out of prison and set us free and all those other things. Amen. Let's shout, jump, and, and do all those other things. But that's not, Paul was the absolute worst prison escape person ever. Because the prison doors came open, prison doors, chains fell off, and all these other things. Verse 27 says this, the jailer wakened to see the prison doors wide open, and assuming that the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword to kill himself. Now, that, isn't that what you would think if you were the, the one that was tasked with the job of you got to imprison these guys and you got to do this stuff? And then you see the doors open, it's like, uh-oh, this is not going to turn out well for me. He pulled out his sword, Paul. Paul yelled at him, hey, don't do that. I would, I'm wondering if the other person like, shh, quiet. We were almost out the door. <laughs> My caffeinated imagination sometimes. Paul yelled to him, don't do it. We're all here. One second ago, they were free. One second ago, the prison doors were open. One second ago, the chains fell off. And now, now he's like, we're, we're right here. Don't you know that it's like, People want to just, Paul, can you not? Do you know what Paul's mission was that superseded him escaping jail? He was called to preach to the Gentiles. And he said, if there's a chance for me to get this one, I'm going I'm to minister to him. If there's a chance for me to bring salvation to him, I'm going to minister to him. I don't care what it costs me, I'm going to minister to him. Paul yelled to him, don't do it, we're all here. Verse 29, trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights, and he ran to the dungeon, and he fell down before Paul and Silas. Don't know that anybody saw that coming. He brought them out, and he begged them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want to scroll back up, well, verse 31. They, they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your entire household. Something happened. God delivered them and God set them free, but God delivered them and set them free to fulfill and accomplish not the desire necessarily of Paul's heart, but the plan that God had in his heart. 
There's an ascending path that God wants to bring you into freedom, and he wants to bring you into destiny and deliverance. But that plan that God wants to fulfill in your heart and life is not always only about you. It is about other people around you. Because God wants to bring light to you, and he wants to bring freedom to you. I want to scroll back up here in my notes to Psalm 40 and verse 3. A new song for a new day. When I begin to change my tune, when I begin to sing about the goodness of God rather than the, the discouragement of this life, when I begin to sing about the faithfulness of God rather than the unfaithfulness of people around me, when I begin to do those things and I sing a new song, a new day begins to arise. The presence of God and the power of God begins to manifest because God inhabits the praises of his people. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think. I choose to change my thoughts. I choose to think according to God and his word. I choose to think about the faithfulness of God rather than everything else that's going on around me and how he breaks. And then he, I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears, until everyone hears, until everyone hears how God set me free. Many will see his miracles and they will stand in awe of God and they will fall in love with him. That is exactly what happened to that jailer. He heard the praises of God. He encountered the miracle-working power of God, and he could not deny it, and he bowed in awe and reverence to God. And not only did he receive something that day, that new day, his entire household did. His entire household <laughs> made Jesus the centerpiece of their life. That was says they all got baptized. I think that's pretty awesome. You know, it's funny to me that we, will, that we will trust God with our eternity, but we're afraid to trust God when it comes to baptism. Well, you know, I don't know, and it's kind of funny, I don't know. This Jesus who died for us, he said, if you believe in me, those who believe in me, and baptize. I, I, we're doing one in a couple of weeks. If you've not been baptized, that actually was the the moment of faith is when it was counted in a sense. It's one thing to have a heart relationship or heads bowed, eyes closed, this secret Christian thing. But that's when people stepped out. That's when they really dared to live their faith. So here's Paul and Silas. They began to worship God and praise God. And a miracle not, didn't only just happen for them. A miracle happened for those that were around them. You and I are living, breathing miracles and testimonies of the grace of God, of the love of God, of the power of God, of the forgiveness of God, the kindness and the mercy of God. And it is up to us to live that loud. It is up to us to live that boldly. It is up to us to, to be the ones that are joyful, to bring that joy and that life to the people around us. And they're, they're going to think you're crazy. Like I said many times, people think you're nuts, but that's all right. You're screwed on the right bolt. <laughs> your life is the testimony. Your life is the testimony. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your presence in this place. Thank you for your anointing this morning. Thank you for the way that you've so wonderfully moved among us today. Would you just stand with me? And let's just for a moment, just, just quietly lift your hands to the Lord. Or maybe not so quietly. I don't care. Well, Father, we worship you this morning. Father, we declare that you are good. There is nobody who is like you. Father, you're rich in kindness and mercy. <laughs> Father, your steadfast love will never, ever cease. 
That, Father, even when we fail, when we fall, when we stumble, that you are quick and ready to forgive, that you are quick and ready to bring your presence, that you are quick and ready, that your ear is open to our prayer, that your ears are open to our cry. And so, Father, we lift up our voices to you, and we worship you, and we praise you. Father, I ask you to help us to sing a new song in the night. Help us to sing a new song in our fear. Help us to sing a new song in those moments that we are so tired. Help us to sing a new song in the face of the adversary. Because, Father, you've created us to be more than conquerors, that your spirit is on the inside of us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. <coughs> So, Father, we lift up our voice and our song to you. Father, we want to sing a new song. Oh, we're tired of the old song. We're tired of the tiredness. We're tired of the excuses. We're tired of being victims. But, Father, we sing a song of the victor. We sing a song of the redeemed. We speak a word in season to those that are weary because of the song that we bring. Oh, we worship you this morning, Father. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, and you would like to today. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that we shall be saved. You don't have to quit anything. You don't have to start anything. You have to believe. That's it. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish. It starts there. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just put your hands down for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I'm ready. I want to make him the Lord of my life today. Would you just slip your hand up real high and let me lead you in a very simple prayer? Anyone at all across this place, just hold your hand up real high just for a second. Anyone? Praise God. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Just hold it up real high. Let's all pray this prayer together. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Let's all pray this prayer. Heavenly Father. I come to you today in Jesus' name. I need a Savior. I need a new song. And so today I believe, Jesus, you died for me. And that's enough. I accept that and I receive it. I declare today, I'm your child. I'm born again. I believe that you died for me and loved me. And you've forgiven my sin. And you now call me your child. And Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer this morning. I thank you that you've begun something on the inside of them and that you are faithful to see it through. And Father, I thank you that you help us as a church to, to, to steward and to pastor and shepherd these people as they walk in that newness, that new relationship with you. I thank you, Father, that you're blessing them. I thank you for life in this congregation to not just be in the four walls of this building, but to be throughout central Minnesota wherever we go. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you, Joy. Have an awesome Sunday. We will see you next week.